Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is a Locker Room production. What's shaking, Red Nation? It is Jeremy Brenner here, back with another episode of The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake. And I'm super excited for this because it finally feels like we're doing a podcast about actual super duper important Rockets stuff. And I'm super excited about this episode. I've got my boy, Michael Brown, coming on up here with me. It's been a while, Mike, since we've been together, but, you know, together we are here at last. How are you? I missed you. It's been forever. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, no, man. All good. All is good watching the uh, Denver-Portland game, actually, right now. Yeah, you know, I think it's funny how we decided to do this right in the middle of, you know, two in uh, two elimination <laughs> games tonight. But honestly, if you really think about it, the Rockets season starts now. So that's more important than any other team season as far as I'm concerned. Facts. Facts only. Um, it's been a very interesting playoffs, I think, though. I think uh... – do you have a particular series that has your attention more than any other, or are you just watching the overall playoffs? You know, it's it, it definitely feels different watching the playoffs and not having a dog in the fight, you know? Yep. But I'll say this. I had Suns Nets as my finals pick, and right now I'm sticking with it. As, as, as it might totally change on Saturday. On Saturday, the Suns could be you know, not even in the playoffs, but... I'm sticking with it. I really like how the Suns have played, and I don't. I would hate for them to be like. I would hate for them to be seen as the team that oh they got in because the Lakers are hurt, kind of thing. No, the Suns are where they are right now because they deserved it. They they've won these games. It's not like they've lost these games. Be, or they or the Lakers have lost these games. The Suns played really well in the series, so um, I'm hoping that the Suns can pull it out tonight. I'd really like to see Chris Paul uh, have some kind of playoff success I'm, I'm rooting for all the former Rockets in the playoffs we will have you know a former Rocket that was part of that 2018 team um that is going to be in the NBA finals because you have you have Clint Capella with the Hawks you have Daryl Morey with the Sixers you have James Harden with the Nets and you have PJ Tucker with the Bucks so uh one of those Rockets that was on that 2018 team I mean if you count Daryl Morey will be in the NBA finals this year yeah it's crazy is it I had a little bit of a, you know, a horror flashback. Chris Paul on a team that's up 3-2 has to win one of the next two games. I mean, it's a little different because he got hurt at halftime of the sixth game? Fifth game. Yeah, fifth game. So, the I mean, Phoenix is the better team. Like, top to bottom, Phoenix is a better team than L.A. Anthony Davis going down is exposing that roster for the Lakers like – I said was going to happen at the beginning of the playoffs, but uh, I don't want to say I told you so. Not you, but 
Like the writing was on the wall. Phoenix is a good team. Like Phoenix is a really good team. And I yeah, love LeBron Lewis. It, it feels so. very similar to the Rockets from three years ago. It really does. There are there are yeah. some shades there for sure. Yeah, and doesn't hate to see you know I don't hate seeing LeBron lose, so that's pretty fun. Uh, congrats to Clint Capella and the Hawks. That's that's a good series. I feel like the Knicks underachieved. Everybody I'm everybody I see is saying that oh they're the you know they they did great you know they over overachieved what they went out the first round how they overachieve that's ridiculous especially with a coach like Tom Thibodeau and Atlanta's good too like Atlanta spending all that money on their free agents I mean Atlanta's a really good team but I think the the Knicks flamed out you know they they've got a lot of work to do on their roster too but very entertaining playoffs from the beginning I think there's been a lot of great series so far yeah so. A little bit of some housekeeping for the listeners here. Um, I see that there are some people already requesting to speak, and I really appreciate that. But tonight's episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we do have a guest that's coming in. He told me he's having uh, some technical difficulties, so he'll hopefully join us here in a little bit. But for the next several weeks, we are going to have these profile podcasts on arguably the top five players on the big board. We start tonight with Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Then in a couple of days, probably sometime early next week, we'll have a Jalen Suggs podcast where we'll dive deep into all of Jalen Suggs and his uh, draft profile. Then we'll have Evan Mobley. And then, of course, the consensus number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham. And that'll lead us into the draft lottery night on June 22nd. We're hoping, we've thought about it for a couple months, we need to uh, plan a little bit more, but we are going to have a live reaction room here, and then afterwards we're going to have a podcast where we, you know, break it all down, talk about it. It's going to be a fun night, hopefully it's going to be a fun night, uh, but we're, whether it's fun, not fun, incredibly sad, incredibly exciting, we're going to be doing it together as a family here on the Locker Room app, so be sure to download that app if you don't have it, if you're listening to us on demand, or if you're joining us here tonight, thank you to our loyal crowd tonight that is coming to listen. You can join us then on June 22nd. We'd love to have you. Uh, more details will be coming soon about that night, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a whole party, Mike. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about wearing pants during the show, so it's gonna be a heck of a party. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, anytime Mike's wearing pants is a good thing. So uh, we'll take that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, before before uh, we have our guest come on, he, he's still having those technical difficulties. Um, we probably should touch on Matt Bullard and the not renewing of his contract from AT&T Sports. Mike, you and I talked about this. And I think your reaction is a little bit different than mine. So I'm going to let you explain your side of how you feel about it before I give a foil. Sure. So uh, reading into his comments, first of all, the fact that he there was no conversation. It was we're not renewing it. There, there was no back and forth, I think, is a really bad look for the Rockets, first of all. Um, Matt Bullard is a guy that has long talked about the fact that he wants to be a lifelong rocket. He wants to be a part of the organization for the rest of his career. Um, This is yet another example of a changing of the guard with this team. And it further 
it further confirms that there's a culture problem going on with the Houston Rockets. And you don't lose in a span of 12 months your uh, Bill Worrell, uh, Matt Bull. You don't get rid of Matt Bullard. You don't lose Bill Worrell. You had Tad Brown step down. You've traded both of your superstars in uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden from last year's team. So that was less than a year ago. Uh, and you've lost your general manager and your head coach from last year. That's not a coincidence. Now, if you want to look but at Mike, this- you, But, Mike, the important thing here is separating the fact that this was a move done by AT&T Sports Southwest and not the Houston Rockets. This at least done- that's from what we know. That's what we know. You know, I that's that's there are two separate entities here. You better believe, and I'm not saying you, Jeremy Brenner, I'm saying that this type of call starts at the head of the franchise because that's that's who you're those are your ambassadors for the franchise. Those are the no, they're not the ambassadors for the franchise are the players, okay. Are the yes. players first and foremost? Matt Bullard leaving the Rockets doesn't change anything about next year's team. It doesn't. It doesn't change anything about no. the future team, in my opinion. No, it doesn't. But it has. It says a lot. Where, like, this guy is giving you nothing but great content. Like, do you think Matt Bullard is good at his job? I think he's great. No, absolutely. Great and this has nothing to do with Matt Bullard and his ability to do his job. Obviously, he's you know done a really good job as he's you know become a staple into many Houstonian homes. But honestly, at this point, Matt Bullard leaving the Rockets, Bill Worrell leaving the Rockets, does nothing to the product on the court. The product on the court is not going to be any different, better or worse, without those two guys. No, but it affects the the diehard fan. If anything, it's a new era. If anything, it's a new era. And we're going to get new people that will introduce us into this new era. I don't disagree with you. What I was going to say was, is the diehard fans who have known Bill and have known Matt for so long, the the franchise is taking a heck of a risk in trusting that they're going to find talent outside of these individuals that will translate when they have this new changing of the guard, as you've called it. We should now. Apply, I think Mike. it's possible. We well, if the Rockets, you think people would watch us? Who me and you? Yeah. Oh, we would we would win awards. There, there's exactly. no doubt. See, that's what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. There, there are other people than than Bill and Matt. And to be honest, this is something that I haven't really seen yet. But let's assume Bill Worrell stayed another year. Let's just say, mm-hmm. I think Matt Bullard would have stayed another year. I, I think that would. Ha- I think that it was a domino effect. Yeah, move. I think it's a great point. To me, there's there are two guys that you can replace Bullard with that I would be happy with. One is Calvin Murphy, and the second is Vernon Maxwell. Well, I don't think Cal- – well, the thing about Calvin Murphy is he was the the color guy for as long as he was, and then he transitioned into a different role. So I don't think he's going to go back into that role. I think, honestly, it's it, – it'll be interesting to see. I'm Obviously, there's there's probably so many guys out there, and chances are the guy that's going to be the guy is probably someone – that we haven't really thought of. I ideally you would want someone that's an ex rocket that is doing your color, but that isn't necessarily the case for all color teams or all broadcast teams across the the league. I'm curious to see how they they go about it. Maybe adding Vernon Maxwell does 
you know, give you that, uh, that it gives you a different, it, look, watching a game where Vernon Maxwell is talking about basketball is very different than watching Matt, Matt, <laughs> than watching Matt. It's just, it'll be, it'll be a different experience. And I think the thing is Rockets basketball is a different experience now than it was last year, five years ago, 10 years ago. And we're, we're in, we're approaching a new era. And I think having a new face of that era or a new voice for that era isn't necessarily a terrible thing. No, I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. The worry that I have is this is yet another move that they're just cleaning house and they're starting over their, their culture. Now, is that, is that I, a bad thing? That's the thing is I don't see that as a bad thing. In fact, I, I see it as a good thing. I see it Change as is good. Yeah, I think it's good if they get like you. I don't think you. I don't think you should bring in a guy who has no familiarity with the franchise as the color guy. Like I think they're gonna move Craig Ackerman into Warrell's spot. That's a natural. Like he'll be the permanent guy, which I love Ackerman. I think Ackerman's fantastic, and I think Craig Ackerman will do a good job with whoever they bring in, and that will be like a good hybrid of someone who's familiar with someone who's new. Yeah. Ackerman and Vernon Maxwell will be must listen to because they're both passionate guys. They, they bring some fire. They bring some energy. I think Bullard did that. That's what I want in the, I, I agree with you. They're, 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 they're your TV guys, but they also are the quickest pipeline from the Rockets organization. What's happening on the court to the fan. And you cannot mess those types of hires up. So, and it, this is a big move for the Rockets. I mean, the fact that they have to replace Warrell and Bullard in the same year is not easy. It's not an easy feat. Uh, and if they get it right, great. But that's the, the, the dream match for me is, and I want to hear who, who you think it would be. Mine is Vernon Maxwell and Craig Ackerman. I think that would be a home run uh, uh, changeover for next year and beyond. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see how it goes. It'll be definitely be a very interesting it'll be an interesting change. You know, things things aren't meant to last forever and I know it feels like forever because, you know, Matt Bullard has been with the organization for, you know, the better part of 25 years. Bill Burrell has been, you know, for even longer. And change can be difficult for some people. I think that's the difference between you and me. And like, because you have a slightly longer uh, history of, you know, viewing and and following the Rockets than I do. And that's kind of how we look at things. Like, yes, Bill Laurel and Matt Bullard are part of my childhood and, you know, my early adulthood. But that doesn't necessarily mean it can be someone else. Look, I mean... The the Astros broadcast, you know, TK and, and Blum, they they came in, you know, just a couple of years ago, and they are a joy to watch, in my opinion. I mean, for those that know, you know, Houston Astros, you know, baseball and and follow the team and watch those games, they are they make the broadcast, you know, they make the broadcast much more interesting for me. So incorporating a new group, we could get the next Blum and, and TK possibly. Who knows? Yeah. And, I, you know, I think I think another couple names to, to look at, I think Mario Welly, um, you know, he's done some fill-in work in the 
uh, in the post game and the pregame. I think Ellie would be spectacular as well. Um, do they go? It's hard, man. It, it's hard to look at it and say that they are going to go in, you know, a non-player ex-player route. I'll tell you another guy to look out for is Tracy McGrady. I would hate that higher, but it would not shock me if he was the new color guy. I, I think it would shock me. That would shock me. I mean, as a guy who who has done a ton of TV work on ESPN, though, it's not like exactly. Would, Why would he leave ESPN for Houston? I, I'm just saying that's the type of guy. That's the type of hire that I could see this front office making. I'm just, I'm gonna leave it out there because. But, but Mike, it's not necessarily the front office that makes those decisions. It has a huge influence, though. Like AT and T Sports, they're in. <sighs> This is the first time AT&T Sports as a company has been able to really make their own decision on this hire. And that is that is what they are doing with this they're they're making their own choice here. This I, I look, this whole thing with Tillman Fertitta has to stop. This whole like it, it always happens. I always have to nip it in the bud and then it pops up again. It's like a pimple. Like this Tillman Pimple for Tita. Like, that's what it is. And the thing is, it's not even that, like, big of a deal. Like, a pimple is a pimple at the end of the day. A pimple is harmless at the end of the day, to be honest. Whoa, whoa. Hold on. Are you saying for Tita is harmless? Are you saying for Tita is harmless? Is that what you're saying? He is harmless. Okay. So, his franchise he's not doing anything he's not doing decisions that's he's the point. letting all the decisions go to oh, rafael stone in terms of basketball decisions that this that has been you know that has been made a very vocal that has been vocalized several times already and it seems like every time that's vocalized people think it's wrong i don't understand why you know it's like saying i say the sky is blue and then everyone is like oh the sky is red well okay if, the, if we say the sky he, is blue, the he, sky is or, fucking blue. But what is the common denominator? So my point the is... The sky. The sky is the common denominator. Well, okay. Yes, there. Yes, you are right. The sky is blue. My question, when it comes to this franchise, what is the common denominator in all of these decisions? Daryl Morey, Tad, all of these guys leaving, it cannot simply be that it was just time for them to move on. Bill, like, Mike, let me ask I, you a question. Yeah. How long have you worked where you work? Uh, six and a half years. Okay. Before that, where'd you work? Uh, Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Okay. When it was time to move on from Grimaldi's, which is d- delicious, they should be our sponsor, honestly. Good uh, in, in Sugarland, yes. Um, but when you left Grimaldi's, did you want to, like, was it time? It was yeah, time the, management, the management was awful. It was time to move on. Well, it's time to move on because of management. Like, I see where you're going. Well, maybe they should be our sponsor. By decision to move on. about their management. Well, no, but it's but it's both, <laughs> but it's it's combined. Like, I see what you're saying, but it's a combination, right? Like, well, so much for them being our sponsor. Well, yeah, I mean, the <laughs> sucks, but the pizza's fantastic. Go see Carolina. Yes, great pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, great salads too. But the thing, yes. the difference is. Daryl, I'll give you a perfect example. Daryl Morey said, oh, I want to go spend my, more time with my kids. I want to do this. He lied to us because he was done with working with Tillman Fertitta. Because you don't take a job six days later like you did in Philadelphia. If 
he like that type of job just doesn't pop up. He had that plan and he was done working with Fertitta. In I think there was more than just that. And okay, even so, if it was that, look, the thing is, at the end of the day, people leave for new opportunities all the time. It's just, it's just the time. And it's not necessarily, you know, because the thing is, he got a promotion when he went to Philly. So, it, look, not everything has to be Tillman Fertitta's fault. That's what I want to get out of this, is just because Tillman Fertitta is the owner of the Rockets does not mean every single thing falls on him. And yes, he is the face of the, of, you know, but in my opinion, like, when I think of the Rockets, I don't think of Tillman Fertitta. I think of Kevin Porter, Christian Wood, whoever this new draft pick is going to be, and Steven Silas. That's what I care about with, with this Rockets team. Um, but that, that, that's my two cents on the issue. Feel free to wrap a bow on it before I move on, Mike. So what I will say is you do make a good point, and I, I think it's unfair to blame Fertitta directly. So what I will, from now on, I will say that there's a culture problem with the franchise that is owned by Tillman Fertitta because something is going on. We don't know what it is yet, but you and I both know, and all of Rockets Nation knows that this is not normal. You don't lose the type of players and front office personnel that they have lost in the last 12 months. That doesn't happen every day. Yeah, but they something... had a damn good run and they had a run that are longer than most NBA teams do. That's that's kind of where I want to put it. And the thing is, yeah. sometimes we have, uh, new players. And speaking of which, we're going to have new players coming to us in the NBA draft next uh, next month. And I'm super, super excited to welcome our guest for this episode. Uh, he had some technical difficulties. It's been a long day for him, but we really super greatly appreciate uh, him coming on the show. It's Dakota Schmidt. He is the he writes and he can tell us more about his role with ridiculous upside on SB Nation, but Dakota, thank you so much again for uh, appearing on the Dream Take today. How are you? Hey, can you guys hear me? We can yes, hear sir. you perfect, loud and clear. All right, great, great. Sorry about the uh, delay. Um, it took way too long to have to download a five megabyte up- update. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I'm all uh, good because we got to talk about a lot, but yeah, sorry. All right. Oh, good, appreciate good, you coming yeah. on. Um, yeah, I am happy to be on here to talk about uh, some G League uh, Ignite prospects are, that will be entering the draft. I actually just uh, finished up a piece I've been working on all day about a player that I think will probably be seen in the G League next year if he sticks in the draft. And Jose Alvarado from uh, Georgia Tech, I'm a big fan of his game. But yeah, I am excited to be here to talk about uh, G League Ignite prospects because the G League Ignite is such a unique venture, a uh, sign that the G League continues to grow tremendously on a year by year basis, and just it's just exciting. Um, I am <laughs> I'm tired, so my vocabulary might not be as broad as it usually is but uh again i'm hyped to be here hey man your knowledge is all that we're looking for but uh you know yeah i love that you mentioned g league and night and the growth the g league has had you know we haven't really the g league you know started out as kind of like the minor leagues of the nba and and to an extent it still is but it's also becoming a developmental league and it's becoming a springboard for some of these prospects and we could see two top five picks in this draft come from that G League Ignite team. So 
just just to give a look for our listeners, can you describe a little bit what G League Ignite is, what it does, and why Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga may have decided to go and join G League Ignite in the bubble and why they should be seen as some of the best prospects in this draft? Okay, so G League Ignite is um, a venture that actually has been in the works for around, geez, <laughs> because of COVID, like my, uh, because of how COVID has been over like last year, my uh, concept of time has kind of been <laughs> messed up. Years, we'll say years. But how about that? The, yeah, how about yourself? <laughs> All right, the the G League Ignite is actually a process been, that's been around for around, I think, the years with the introduction of uh, the select contract system in in the winter, like November December, uh, twenty eighteen, um, where it gave an incentive for you know high school players to. Uh, signed dealer contracts at the time it was 125,000 and besides the 125,000 there was a lot of uncertainty about what would happen to those prospects after they signed dealer contracts in um, you know 2019 obviously the top uh, prospects that decided to go pro RJ Hampton, Lamelo Ball they didn't go to the G League they went to Australia so the G League had to make some changes which takes us to 2020. Um, the G League makes some changes to their um, select uh, contract process where they have one team, Deignite, they up the amount for uh, money that they give to prospects. So it's up to, you know, reportedly, you know, you know, half a mil for, you know, uh, two of the players that we're going to be talking about tonight. And, and yeah, Deignite, you know, one team, have prospects, have bets together stationed on a team, you know, in California. And yeah, that's uh, that what takes us to the time that uh, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga signed uh, last year. Yeah, and and the thing is, this is only going to, you know, grow. It wouldn't surprise me in the mm-hmm. next five years if the number one overall pick happens to come from the G League uh, Ignite program and, and all of that. So let's just dive into these guys right now. So what we're doing for the next several episodes, Dakota, just to kind of fill you in, is we're looking, we're going to look at every one of the top five prospects on most mm-hmm. people's big boards. And assuming that the Rockets are picking in the top five, we uh, would like to think that they are. Um, they'll have a 52% chance to do that. There's a good chance that the the top three is is probably going to be uh, Cunningham, Moby, Suggs. That is that is that fair to say that you would say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's assume the Rockets like, have the number. I, I feel like. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but no, go ahead. I think Cunningham, Mobley are etched into the top two. Like I, I feel like there's some argument between uh, Suggs. And some people prefer Green over Suggs, even though I'm, uh, I didn't watch as, uh, as much uh, Gonzaga film as I obviously did with the uh, Ignite. Uh, Jalen Suggs, he's a prospect that I love, but uh, yeah. Um, so let's just let's just uh, let's kind of look into this. I'm I'm a long lost brother of uh, Rafael Stone, Jeremy Stone. I have the number three pick. Give me your sixty second elevator pitch on why I should draft 
Jalen Green with the number three pick. Okay, Jalen Green. The reason why you should draft him if you have the number three pick, he is a tremendous athlete, excellent burst, can you know jump out jump out of the arena, but he combines that burst with continued improvement as an off the dribble uh, shooter, catch and shoot threat, and if you combine those two skills, burst, athleticism with consistent shooting. You can really have something. You can have, you know, a Zach Levine level of player, which, you know, would uh, be pretty good value for a number three pick, you know, consistent all-star type player, even though I think uh, Jalen Green's potential exceeds uh, what we see from Levine. Yeah, and look, the number three pick is a very important pick for a Rockets fan. Look, James Harden was the number three pick. So, like, if I'm getting the number three pick in the draft, I want a guy like James Harden on my team. And, you know, do you think – so, like, I kind of want to get, like, Jalen Green's ceiling out of you, if you will. Like, where do you think his ceiling can be? Do you think he can be uh, a consistent starter, an all-star, an all-star starter? Like, where do you think – like, best-case scenario, everything goes right for Jalen Green. What – how does he end up? I think he he can be an all star starter definitely. I th- I think he can. Um, just like just the just the tools I mentioned, plus the progression that he you know made as as a. Sh- Sorry, just that stubborn. It was kind of coming up. Sorry, that's kind of professional my end. But uh, when it comes to him. As a player, I do think he has all-star starter uh, potential with the tools I mentioned, plus his continued drive to improve as a shooter and also as an on-ball defender. I was impressed with uh, what I saw from him over the course of his time in the G League bubble when it comes to, you know, guarding, uh, defending uh, the vets there. So, uh, so yeah, all those tools are why I think he has – upside as a all-star star even though i do have some worries about him when it comes to uh moving the ball around and uh, facilitating do you feel like he i'm not sure how much you've looked into uh these top picks fit with potential teams that could draft them how do you feel like a guy like Jalen green would match with a guy like kevin porter junior who's already going to be in the backcourt for the Rockets next season. I think it would be good fit. I definitely think it would be a good fit because you know what, you know, before Ken Porter Jr. went off with the Rockets and, you know, had some great games over the course of the end of the season, he was in the G League bubble with the RGV Vipers. And what what I saw from him was a fantastic on ball that somebody that can you know, work as a facilitator, work with Roman, move the ball around, and also just drive to the paint, drive to the rim whenever he wants. And having somebody like that with Jalen Green that, you know, has athleticism, that, you know, can make off-ball cuts, and it's always a threat to cut, to, you know, make alley-oops, and also as a catch-and-shoot threat, I think um, having those two players together would be uh, would be a good fit. Yeah. So another thing that I think is seen as a bit of a I don't I don't want to say 
it's a it's a bad look on the G League, or it's a bad connotation that a lot of G League players have, is that they don't play a lot of defense. And you see these G League games that, you know, balloon to, you know, 120, 130 points, 140 points. And I, I just want, is that a myth? Or is that, is that, is it factor cap? Is the, is the G, is the defense in the G League bubble, um, is it, is it bad? Or, and like, where would you look at Jalen Green's defense in terms of his whole repertoire? Um, I think that it, depends on the team uh that you're talking about because in the g league the pace the pace in general is just it's just high it's just an incredibly high rate it's higher than what you see you know in the in the nba so you know higher pace you know obviously leads to more opportunity to score thus more you know points um you know that can be on the board so I feel like with all that in mind, like the defense is, you know, isn't at the level that I, you know, prefer it to be. But to say that there's no defense in the, uh, you know, in the G League would be, you know, that would be too far for me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, one yeah. last, uh, one last question from me before I uh, send it to our send it to our audience. But do you have a, a pro a pro player comp for Jalen Green? What guy in the NBA do you think he resembles the most? Or you give? A I mentioned. I just mentioned him a few. I just mentioned him a few minutes ago, but uh, Zach Levine uh, that would, would be a comp. Yeah, that would be I a good comp. That's, I would not hit that. Joke. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the first guy that came up to uh, came to my mind when you asked for comps. Ooh, like if you think like think about what like because the thing is a big reason why Rockets fans are really excited about Kevin Porter is because his pro player comp is James Harden, and he yeah. and you can even see in some of the games that he's played this year, especially in the bubble, uh, how he resonated with. Harden style of play, how he, how he kind of, there were, there were even some like mannerisms that he would have that did remind me of Harden at the beginning of his career and his, the beginning of his career in Houston. So, uh, I mean, think about having like a backcourt of Harden and Levine, like where that backcourt would rank in terms of every team in the NBA. And I'd assume that it would be towards the top of the league. So if that's the case, mm-hmm. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I think it would be at the, you know, top of the league if, you know, Hardy was with Levine rather than with, you know, you know Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, that is going to have to there, – there's a lot that has to happen in order for that to work. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're not saying oh, that yeah. Kevin Porter is going to reach James Harden's potential, and we're not saying that Jalen Green is going to reach uh, Zach Levine's potential, but it's just yeah, – we're talking about players that, Rockets that are what, like – like we're well, talking about go. players that are right now like what nineteen with you know Jalen Green and what twenty one mm-hmm. with Kevin Porter. So these are still extremely like we got time you know, players that still have a that still have a lot of time and a lot of room, you know, to grow as players. Yeah. Um I'm gonna bring Ryan up to the stage now. He's he's one of our loyal listeners here at the Dream Take. Ryan, what's happening? What's up, guys? Uh, right. nothing much. Honestly, we're not talking about a Rockets loss, so I'm actually doing pretty good. That's that's good for that's good for a while, and it, it, I I say I say so. 
Yeah, do you have a question for uh, for Dakota today? Um, about I just Jaylen? wanted to talk about Jalen Green for a second. From so I listened to other Rockets podcasts and um this so one of the hosts of my podcast he had a guest on his podcast and he had said that um he thinks Jalen Green could be uh better than Evan Mobley in the draft. And I don't really know. I, I haven't really seen a whole lot of uh, film from Jalen uh, Green, but who knows? Who knows? Um, I I feel like there's a chance of that, but Mobley is. Um, if there wasn't a player that was his special, keep calling him in the in this draft, Evan Mobley would you know definitely be a bona fide number one, you know, in most years because of his length, because of how fluid he is as a player, um, how skilled he is on offense, and also what he's able to do on the defense. And like defense, I think is what separates somebody like you know. Mobley and Cunningham from, you know, player like uh, Jalen Green. Gotcha. See, because I've been going back and forth. If, like, if Houston does get the second overall pick, I've been uh, leaning more towards Jalen Suggs. But then at the same time, when I look at the Rockets' current roster, uh, Christian Wood needs more help next to him as well. So, I mean, I'm fine with with Jalen Suggs, but or with Evan Mobley, but well, either way. I mean, I don't really care which one, but whatever is more helpful for Christian Wood because he needs more load. But I have, a, I, have a, I have a question for you and for the rest of the guys here when it comes to like defensive philosophy. I mean, looks like Dakota is cutting out. Currently, here, are but, would you just uh, want to go with the best player available? There we go. Rather than fit, because like right, you're you're right. drafting for you know three, four, five years down the line, and you don't know if Christian Wood is going to be there, you know, at that time, or whoever is going to whoever that's on the twenty 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 one team or twenty one twenty two team is going to be there, you know, three four years down the line when you're still trying to develop, you know, uh, the player that you drafted, you know, with the top five pick. Yeah, I think that's a very good point um, that – look, I'll, I'll bring this as an example, right? You look at the, the Luka draft, right? Aiton went first, and I think that year um, – you know, Aiton was you guys hear me? number one that year. Yeah, yeah, we can uh, – but thank, thank you, Dakota. But, um, yeah, Aiton did, yeah. I think in terms of that draft, the, the Aiton draft Aiton – Okay, was guys, uh, cut on to me for a while. No problem, we got you. We heard most of what you said, I think. So there we go with, with technical difficulties with Coda. But uh, to kind of bring this back on track, um, we look at that draft. Aiton was the consensus number one. The Kings, they had the number two pick. They could have gone with Luka. They went with Marvin Bagley. And they, they kind of said the reason why they went that direction is because he was a different uh, – like he was, he was a better fit for that team. But in reality, look who's the stupid one. The the Kings yet again they made a they made a dumb mistake and the thing is 
I don't want the Rockets to be the team that continues to make those dumb mistakes in the draft. That is how these teams do not get better. They How they stay in the lottery for years and years to come. Detroit has a strong history of doing that. Uh, yeah. the, the, the Kings have a strong history of that. The Timberwolves do as well. The Rockets, yeah. in order for them to get out of this rebuild as soon as possible, they need to go with the best player available every time, in my opinion. So let me ask you this, Jeremy. Uh, I don't know if we have Dakota, but I mean, let's say the Rockets are at number three because that's the theme of the night. After doing your, you know, your research, let's say Mobley and Cunningham go one and one and two. Obviously, Cunningham's going to go one. Mobley goes two. Rockets are at number three. Talent-wise, if you're taking the best player on the board, who are you taking? You're taking Suggs. I okay. think. I think that there is a case there for Jalen Green. And there, there, there even may be a case for Kaminga. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kaminga once once Dakota gets back to us. Um, but yeah, I think in order, the, that's something the Rockets can do. And in my opinion, I, I do think that it is closer between Suggs and Green than than a lot of people think. You know, I, there's a lot. I think Jalen Suggs is the bigger name, and a lot of people he's he's much more well known, I think, than Jalen Green is because of his heroics in March Madness and because he was on, you know, such a great team. And look, Jalen Green was also on a really solid – he was on a professional team. So – but they didn't they, they didn't get as much exposure as, as Jalen Suggs did. So I think, you know, you might see Jalen Suggs get a lot more attention in the pre – like before teams are really scouting the draft. But once the season kind of dissipates and the draft coverage starts to intensify, it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see Jalen Green kind of pop in at the number three spot in a couple of those. That's why that's what Dakota just mentioned earlier in the show. So I think that's the case. But also, if you look at the talent, I don't think there's enough for me to say that Jalen Suggs is for sure the number three guy versus Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah. The Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, we can hear you now. All right, I'm back. Sorry. Right, um, welcome, welcome back. It cut out on me for – it cut out when I was starting to talk about, like, draft philosophy. Um, no worries. Yeah, well, we're going to we're gonna move on to Jonathan Kaminga now. I think it's a good place for, uh, for us to kind of just kind of reset. But, Ryan, uh, okay. thank you so much. I'm going to send you back to the gulag now, but uh, we'll bring up people for uh, Kaminga questions in a little can, bit. Can I make one more, one more uh, comment? Sure, go ahead. Sure. I just think, I just think so if if you get the chance to get Jalen Suggs, I just feel like he could run the floor probably a little bit better than Jalen Green could. So I think that's why you would if you don't get the opportunity to go for Evan Mobley, you take Jalen Suggs at number three. Yeah, I think that's a fair. Yeah, point. I definitely Thanks, think that's a that's a reasonable thought. Definitely is. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. We'll we'll probably bring you back if you want to come up a little bit later. Of course, guys. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right. So now we're going to transition into our talk on Jonathan Kaminga, who also was part of G League Ignite, is from mm-hmm. the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and it, another another example of how the league and the game is growing outside of the United States. So Dakota, uh, again, I'm going to give you the same question I did with Jalen Green. Uh, 60 second elevator pitch. If I have the number three or if I have the number four pick, uh, why am I taking Jonathan Kaminga with that pick? 
Okay, so um, it would tough for it would be tough for me to make the elevator pitch because I, after everything I saw of him at the Dooley Bubble, I am not convinced about using you know a pick on him over somebody like Suggs or somebody like Green because I think he's more raw than the uh, you know the other two players. Like the thing about Kamingo that that is apparent is his athleticism is his burst is his you know size when it comes to being able able to get to the basketball everything else is the question mark is his shooting his ability to you know facilitate um just just him when it comes to being you know a skill player which you know makes sense because he only played uh three years of high school uh hoops before you know graduating early to you know make it to the you know to G League ignites so i feel like he's more of a developmental piece than some like uh green or you know especially like somebody like Suggs. i feel like is uh you know a plug and play type of player do you you know looking at you know i think you touched on some of the not the more negative parts of his game but his ability on the defensive end, I think he is going to definitely be a top 10 pick, but do you think that the tools are there for him to eventually become an all NBA type of defensive player? Cause I think that's what um, he's going to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like most quickly. The tools in terms of um, like his build, his just, you know, like I feel like he could be a very, very good um, defensive player, but like I feel like um, there is um, I feel like right now I am I feel like ooh, like his ceiling right now from what I saw of him is more uh, Pascal Siakam like okay. a Pascal, Pascal Siakam that can you know, move with the ball in his hands, that can handle the ball, which is an all-star, you know, but yeah. just, I, I don't, I feel like I, I'm not sure if he can be that number one or, you know, number two scoring option for a title, you know, t- contending team. But I also feel like he can, you know, with, with the tools that he has and with his, you know, his work ethic on the, you know, defensive and of the ball and just like his work ethic in general in terms of improvement like he's improved he improved from high school to uh the ignite when it came comes to developing more as a secondary uh facilitator uh but but yeah like, like i said i feel like he's he's more raw than the other players that we've been uh, talking about and the thing with the thing with that uh, i really like that you said that because you know I'll I'll bring it back. We, we've seen okay. so many examples of guys that are just raw and have raw like rawness might be exactly what the Rockets need because the Rockets, you know, their timeline is not next year. It's not the year after that. It's mm-hmm. six, seven, eight years down the line possibly. And I'd rather have the best players six or seven. I'd rather if I'd rather have the best players six to seven years from now. And if that person happens to be the the sixth or seventh best player today, then having the the best player for next year or and the sixth or seventh best player 
six or seven years from now. So, and we've looked at, you know, guys like Jokic, Luka, that just have, Giannis is the perfect, is the perfect first example of this recent generation of these international players that don't have a lot of, you know, experience before they come into the league. Joel Embiid, another great example. So, um, I want to, I want to, um, interrupt you. Like, Jessica Minka is somebody that went to the high school circuit. Like, he was born in Congo, but he went to the high school, uh, circuit. Like, he was in, you know, he played, you know, you know, in summer, summer hoops with, uh, with, a uh, you know, sneaker company like everybody else. He was, you know, a top five, um, on 24 seven sports on, and on ESPN. So he sounded like he's going, you know, he, you know, Trained to work with an international team before, you know, coming over like, you know, Giannis or Jokic or Luka did. Yeah. Well, I mean, Joel Embiid kind of fit that, yeah. if if you will. So, um, and he went to, you know, a blue blood in Kansas. And, you know, so, and that was also part of it, too, is that Joel was too raw. And that's like why you didn't want to pick him. But the Sixers, which I think for the next several years, I think using the Sixers model of rebuilding is definitely going to be something that we are going to look at um, in order for in order for us to kind of compare the Rockets rebuild. So they went with a guy that, you know, Joel Embiid didn't even play the first two years. Not to say that, you know, Kaminga will obviously play next year unless, yeah. you know, a freak injury <laughs> happened. But the, they got the most raw guy in that draft. And that, they're the ones who are benefiting from that draft more than anybody because they got the best player in the draft. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think for me, it's okay if the Rockets take a guy that might not necessarily be the best player right now, but if he can still, you know, reach a higher peak in the next several years, that might be a, a prod. Like they, they get, they have time and the resources to work on a guy that could be a project for them right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like at, at his peak, Jonathan Kaminga can be the, that guy that will have a you know high rebound rate, but can also move the ball down the floor, you know, in transition with the ball in his hands, uh, work as a uh, distributor, you know, push the ball to the rim, and you know hit the and you know hopefully you know his his shooting is has been you know developing. I feel like there's a uh, more developing that has to happen but you know hit the occasional you know pull up three like like i said like pat like a pascal siakam uh type of a uh, type of player with the with the the insight that you have you know in the you know in this draft process do you feel like the rock not only the rockets but do you feel like the top five of this draft is loaded with potential all-star talent or do you think that you know, after the first, let's say, mix, it does take a step down with the type of player that these teams are going to get. Um, I feel like after uh, Cade and after Mobley, it takes a step down only because Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley are such – they're such fantastic prospects. They're just – like – they have skill sets that are just incredibly made uh, for this game and, you know, are two players that can, you know, change the course of franchise. Um, you know, after that, um, next three guys are, you know, and Suggs and Green and Kaminga are guys that I can see be, you know, consistent all-stars, right? 
So you, you know, have go from, you know, franchise altering players like Cunningham and Mobley to, you know, all consistent all stars. Um, you know, there's, you know, a step down, you know, from, you know, those two groups, but it's like, you'd still be fine with having, you know, a guy on your team that is, you know, odds on favor to make an all-star team on a, you know, consistent basis. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to open up the, uh, the, the floor to questions for Dakota on Kaminga. Now, I, I think that, you know, I, like I think with Kaminga though, even even if he isn't necessarily the most NBA ready, he's not more NBA ready than Jalen Green, than Jalen Suggs. I think personally, I think if you want to look at like fits and stuff, the Rockets need rebounding. Like that is probably <laughs> the one biggest need that they that they have right now. It, on top of shooting as well. I mean, three point shooting is probably the Three-point shooting and rebounding, in my opinion, are, like, 1A and 1B in terms of, like, things hey, hey, the Rockets three-point shooting, you guys have to – the guy with three-point shooting in Armani Brooks. Yes, that is very – that is very true. <laughs> but, the, I mean, before Armani Brooks really came to the Rockets, though, Dakota, the, they were the last – they were last in three-point percentage. And they were probably still yeah. were very close to that by the end of the season. But getting guys like Armani Brooks are, are definitely helpful. Um, but adding – uh, adding a guy that we, we want shooters in this draft. We want a guy like personally, a guy like that I would love to see is like a, uh, for those of you that, you know, watch the Grizzly series a lot, will understand this, like a Desmond Bain, like someone that is just out there simply to shoot threes and to open the floor up for the facilitator, for John Morant, for, for a Kevin Porter. Like we need a guy just like Desmond Bain on this team. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, maybe we can get that a little bit later in the draft. Doesn't seem like we have a lot of Kaminga questions, but Dakota, I kind of want to utilize you while we have you just for the next couple of minutes. Uh, obviously, there are more G League Unite guys, uh, Isaiah Todd and Ty Soto, for example. Um, there's a there's a whole bevy of names as well. Um, but is there a guy that maybe the Rockets could find in the second round um, that is from that G League Ignite team that that could benefit the Rockets or or any NBA team uh, down the line? In terms of the Rockets and the fit that you're looking for, I feel like um, he's still he's uh, he's an incredibly raw player, and I honestly feel like he is going to be in the G League again, but hopefully for an affiliate, definitely you know for an affiliate. But I think Todd is a player. I don't have his profile in front of me, but like I feel like he's around six eight, six nine. Um, he's a player that actually, you know, impressed and actually raised his stock as uh, as a prospect when it comes to being, you know, you know, catch and shoot threat, being able to work off the dribble a little uh, bit. On the defensive end, it's a big concern for him, but like as you guys are, you know, talking, uh, you know, you need more shooters, you need more catch and shoot threats, you need. Guys, I can, you know, Basically become more. reliable three point shooters. I feel like Isaiah Todd would be a you know player that you could you know go for late in the first or into the second round. Yeah, the Rockets do have those two late first round picks and some seconds as well. So, yeah, Mike, go ahead. Uh, I, do, I want to ask you a quick question about Kate Cunningham. Um, mm-hmm. do you have. You know, in the in the games that I've watched of him, I mean, obviously, I think he's the best player in this draft. 
do you have a a player comp for a guy like Kate Cunningham? And, you know, I, I don't want to go back to the same question I asked before, but what do you envision if the Rockets do get the number one overall pick? How a potential backcourt of him, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., and Kate Cunningham would look? Do you feel like they're a good fit together? Both guys at this point in their career have to have the ball in their hands to be successful, it appears. But do you think that, you know, those guys can coexist, and do you have a player comp for our listeners on what you think Kate Cunningham will be at the next level? Um, I have – I am – even if I've given some player comps uh, to, tonight, I am not the best uh, when it comes to player comps, and I haven't seen uh, Kate Cunningham at the, you know, rate that I've seen, you know, these Julie Ignite guys and, you know, some uh, – some like uh, guys that I've been that I have been or will be writing about for ridiculous upside, like like late second rounders, like like I'm the college players I'm looking at are like potential two way players or potential you know late second round players in terms of guys that are going to be in the G League because you know that's why I write about G League. So you know, Kate Cunningham is you know not a player that's you know on on the radar when it comes to guys I want to take a you know deep look at, but he's definitely somebody. You know, I watch because I like watching, you know, good basketball players and, you know, he's a great basketball player. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, you know, Kate Cunningham with the, with the, you know, skill set that he has on, you know, both ends of the floor and, you know, with his frame and, you know, with his, you know, size, I feel like, like I said earlier, he, him and Evan Mobley are, you know, franchise changing players, even though I have, you know, Cunningham, you know, like most people above, uh, above, um, you know, Evan Mobley. Sure. Yeah. Dakota, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you, you know, went through hell and back to get with us, but uh, we really appreciate that <laughs> uh, you stuck with us here tonight. Uh, feel free to drop your Twitter, anything that you're working on at Ridiculous Upside, and where the listeners can find you. Um, You can find my Twitter at Dakota, D-A-K-O-T-A underscore S-C-H. M I D T R Rigless Upside's account is at R I D I C Upside. I'm trying to figure out what to do with that account uh, during the off season, and because I can't post, you know, college uh, basketball clips on that account because of, you know, copyright issues. So uh, yeah, Ridiculous Upside. But also, uh, if you just want to read my work, uh, Ridiculous Upside. Dot com. Like I mentioned earlier, I wrote, um, just finished a two-part uh, series on a Georgia Tech guard, Jose Alvarado, a prospect that I really love in the sense of, like, you know, potential, uh, you know, 2A, um, you know, candidates. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dakota. And look, as, as long as the Rockets are in this rebuild, we're definitely going to be having to head over to Ridiculous Upside so we can get uh, the best yes. coverage through these prospects. Trying, on trying to find some, like, like the Rockets. You, your franchise, even though you've had a lot of success over the years, you, your franchise that has you know utilized the G League at a rate higher than you know you know most teams out there. You know when you guys are having you know consistent success with James Harden, and you know I can't wait to see what the franchise does now in the, you know, post Harden era and also post, you know, Daryl Morey era because Morey is, you know, somebody that experimented 
Like he he was a big proponent. He is a big proponent of utilizing the G League when it comes to growing players and growing, you know, everybody, you know, throughout the organization. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what the you know, what the Rockets do, you know, on the G League front, you know, moving in over the next few years with the, you know, rebuilding era that you guys have, but also with the new leadership, you know, with the new front office that you have there in uh, Houston. Uh-huh. All right, Dakota, thank you so much again, and I'm sure we'll uh, hit you up soon to talk more at our draft prospect. Appreciate it, Dakota. Yeah. All right, and that is going to wrap it up here for the uh, this episode of The Dream Take. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Dream Take and at DreamShakeSBN. Be sure to also follow and subscribe to our podcast. We post, uh, we're going to be posting definitely weekly, likely bi-weekly during the offseason. So uh, when the Rockets take off for the summer and head to Cancun, we stay at work. In fact, we probably work even harder because these next several months, Mike, are going to be very important uh, for the Rockets. We stay and grind, baby. That's what we do. This Absolutely. is exciting, man. That gets me excited for the draft. Yeah, that was that was fun. I, I really enjoyed talking to Dakota and it definitely gave me more uh, of an idea of who these two guys are. And we're going to continue doing episodes like this. Uh, likely on Sunday or Monday, we're going to have our Gonzaga guy come in. We, we're still looking at uh, fixing out who we're going to get for that episode. But we're going to bring in an expert uh, to talk about Jalen Suggs really dive deep into his game and and what he can offer for the Rockets so we're really excited about that uh Mike feel free to drop your Twitter so that the listeners can go find you bsw podcast underscore mb and you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner that's j-e-r-e-m-y-b-r-e-n-e-r be sure to like us on Facebook and head over to thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of The Dream Take, and until next time, go Rockets! Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. 
New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.